got sand dunes, you've got dirt roads, you've got rock crawling. I used every single feature that that GX had to offer and it did it flawlessly without even thinking about it. And it was comfortable. Hey everyone, welcome back to Toyota Untold. This is Tyler. And this is Kelsey. Today we are talking about one of the most unique driving events of the year, the Rebel Rally. You sound amazing today, by the way, Kelsey. Thank you. Thank you. I have my Phoebe voice on. Hello, my babies. <laughs> so uh, the Rebel Rally was created by Emily Miller, and it's the first women's off-road navigation rally raid in the United States. Drivers join as teams of two. They work together to navigate and drive across more than 2,000 kilometers of desert in Nevada and California. And it's not a race for speed. Instead, it challenges drivers to navigate the desert with nothing but maps and a compass, find hidden checkpoints, and they cross some of the largest sand dunes in the country. And we were lucky enough to chat with Rochelle Croft and Taylor Pauly, the winners of the 2019 Rebel Rally. Honestly, I think this is probably one of the coolest rally or just, I mean, races that I've ever heard of because I don't know anybody that just goes out in the middle of nowhere with a compass and a map and just tries to figured out. Listen, I can only refer to my friend Laura who was in the army and they like dropped him in the middle of some place with a, you know, it was land nav class basically and they had a compass and that was it. But these women are just bad chicks out there with their compass and they were in a GX and you know how I feel about my GX. I understand. I understand. So without further ado, let's get into our conversation with the winners, Rochelle and Taylor. First of all, Taylor and Rochelle, welcome to Toyota Untold. We are so happy to have you. Thank you. If you've listened for like a minute to the podcast, I talk about my 2017 GX all the time. And so you guys had a completely stock 2019 GX 460 and you took it into this rally challenge. Tell us about that, Rochelle. Yeah, it was such a privilege. I'm a big um, Toyota Lexus fan myself. And so when I got the call from some guys over there, if we'd be interested in driving a stock Lexus, I absolutely jumped at the chance. I love those cars. And it's such a fun way. This rally is set up in such a good way. It's um, We drive over eight days. And I think we went about 2,300 kilometers. Um, Taylor will have the exact math on that um, because she had her nose in that every day as I did not as closely. Mm -hmm. But it's it covers so much different terrain. You've got sand dunes, you've got dirt roads, you've got rock crawling. I used every single feature that that GX had to offer and it did it flawlessly without even thinking about it. So it was and it was comfortable. I think that was the other big thing was um, we did it in style and it was comfortable and it handled everything we threw at it. It was fantastic. So how did you guys get into this? I first heard about these types of rallies actually in 2011 from the creator of the Rebel Rally, Emily Miller. And at the time, she was spreading the word to women in the U.S. that there was a rally of similar, kind of similar rally in Morocco, actually. And that really piqued my interest. I was home with three uh, babies at the time. Um, My husband and I had just started a web series um, called Exhibition Overland. So I was really just feeling the need to get outside my comfort zone and do something just kind of crazy, stretch my legs. And I always love driving. I love travel. And I heard about this rally in Morocco. And that one is nine days, women only, shortest distance wins, all maps and compasses, no GPS. 
And that's how I kind of got into that world and met Emily. And then fast forward to 2016, Emily created the first Rebel Rally, which is in the U.S. And then that's where Taylor comes in. <laughs> yeah, so Rochelle and um, her current racing partner at the time in 2016 were promoting the rally at some of the overlanding events and uh, other kind of outdoor show type events that we tended to go to as well. So when I signed up for one of their classes they were teaching, which is just the navigation class, uh, it was kind of just a basic. I had never held the compass up to that point. So I learned from Rochelle how to use a compass for the very first time. And then I took their next day class, which was how to be a rally driver. And so it was kind of a, an overview of what the races look like and what the experience is like. And within two weeks, I had signed up for the first Rebel Rally and I found myself a partner online, somebody I'd never met and didn't meet until two days before that first rally. My inspiration in every way was was Rochelle and, uh, and her partner, Rhonda. So I was so fortunate to get to meet them and get introduced to the world and now race with her. Oh my God. I can't believe you <laughs> found a partner online. It's like finding your college roommate online. I literally did that. You did? <laughs> yeah. That's actually exactly what I was thinking it's of when like you said that. that. It's yeah. like, you're going there, so I'm going too. So can you tell us and our listeners, Rochelle, what does the race look like? Can you Can you give a little bit more detail so they know what goes into it? I think you mentioned some of the races, it's like no GPS, no phones. Like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, obviously I understand a compass is involved, <laughs> but that doesn't do much for me. So can you tell us what that's like? Yeah, for sure. So yeah, these are actually called, um, they're kind of a long distance rally. So you have like the Baja 1000 and you have these high speed races. These are more long, they're kind of enduro challenge rallies. So the strategy is that you have to go eight or nine days. Um, you've got to manage your energy, manage your stress, uh, manage your vehicle, because if something happens to that, you need to fix it. People aren't just going to come in and rescue you. You can call for outside assistance, but you're going to be docked points. And hmm. a lot of times your rally, you won't be usually scored or you'll go way down in the rankings. So yeah, there's no GPS. We actually turn in our phones on the first day. They go through all of your electronics and they hide or take out like on the GX. I have that little map uh, SD card. I had to take that out. So there's no mapping anywhere (laughs) in the car. And it's completely, um, they give you all of your paper maps for the whole um, eight days of the rally. So Taylor had her beautiful stack of maps. And then they give you coordinates every day that you actually take and you plot yourself on those maps. So you have to make sure you do that right. And then throughout the day, you're going to each of those coordinates that you yourself have plotted only using maps, compasses, your common sense. And um, we have a little, the only thing we put in the GX is a little rally computer and it just counted kilometers to the exact measurement so that we could sure we're going 1.2 kilometers, you know, until for 90 degrees. And then we're turning and resetting that and going three kilometers down this road, mm-hmm. you know, so it's, kind of that system over eight days. That's insanity. And so wait, is it, are there points along the way where it's clear that like, oh, this is where someone has been before or is it literally like... Markers or something? Yeah. Yeah. So Emily has set it up 
kind of a lot like if you ski, it kind of correlates with that. You've got your greens, your blues, and your blacks. Um, Green flags are very noticeable. They're pretty easy to navigate to, I'll say, because we've, I don't want to say pretty easy because we've all missed a green here and there in our lives, but um, (laughs) they're a very tall flag. So you know, like, okay, there's our flag. We're in the right area. Got it. Blues can be a pole in the ground, so they're going to be a little more difficult. They can be hiding behind a shrub or a tree, or sometimes they're a flag. They might take more driving difficulty to get to. They might put it on top of a really hard off-road track or hard dune. And then blacks, actually, and this is where Taylor just astounded me every time, are not marked at all. So you are you have a little GPS uh clicker tracker i don't even know what it's called taylor it was a yellow brick um you would punch in when you got to that spot and it would send your coordinates to uh the administration and they would check to see if you were on that black checkpoint and we could actually replot that taylor would actually plot that right away and make sure taylor what is that pressure like oh buddy (laughs) (laughs) it's uh, it can be really intense the cool thing about the rally is it's kind of designed for all different skill levels. So you'll have people out there who their goal is just to finish and they have the best time on their way to that. So they don't take it quite as, you know, crazy serious as maybe Rochelle and I did because Rochelle and I came into it with the shared goal of we've both done this before. We really have all the tools and we have an incredible vehicle. Let's win this. Mm -hmm. So, the pressure for us and for the other teams that were competing really, really every day for that top spot, uh, the pressure is intense. And so little mistakes throughout the day, I'd say one of the, one of the huge things that teams have to learn how to do, and Rochelle and I learned it pretty early on, is <laughs> if you mess up, if you make a mistake, move on and shake it off and get to that next checkpoint because you'll likely have 10 more in that day. And one checkpoint can't throw off your entire day. Can you tell us a little bit about what, because obviously, actually, I don't know. Did you guys, well, you couldn't have devices, so you can't like film what it looks like, right? We actually were able to film a little bit. Actually, you'll see an episode on that come out with Expedition Overland. I believe it will be episode eight. Um, So we had our own GoPros in the car. Okay. So we were allowed to do some filming ourselves, which we did. So if, um, and we can plug where people can find Expedition Overland Mm -hmm. (laughs) at the end, um, but can you tell us, you guys went through Nevada and California, right? Can you tell us a little bit about like what that looks like? And then some, some like roadblocks, maybe physically or mentally, whatever that you ran into along the way. We had a really incredible course this year. Um, one thing that Emily does is she makes sure each year is different than the last. Um, we don't know what the route will be when we, you know, we're going into it. And then when we leave at the end of a route, we don't know what next year's is going to be. So it's pretty exciting that first day to hear her say things like, okay, it's been four years and now we're finally going to go through Death Valley. So we got to see a lot of Death Valley, which was really cool. Places that, you know, they don't give permits to everybody for stuff like this. So it was pretty incredible. We drove through, uh, we drove to the Big Dune, which is in kind of, Central 
Nevada on the California border, I believe, gosh, it's hard when you're looking at a 200,000 scale map to know exactly where you are in the world. You kind of only have your perspective of that, just that tiny area. So I hope I'm right. I know it's maybe 200 miles, maybe 300 miles north of Vegas. That was a really cool spot, the big dune, and that's one of those, like you said, a roadblock. Um, dune driving is a big part of what they do in this rally. So they'll always give us a dune day kind of middle of the of the rally, and then at the very end as well. We always start in Lake Tahoe and end in Glamis Sand Dunes right on the Mexico border. So when we get to those sand dunes, they're the largest in North America. Hmm. And I hope I'm getting that fact right, but I'm pretty sure it's the largest in North America. And they are intense. So we do a full day of driving in those dunes. And that's where uh, somebody like Rochelle, who has a lot of experience dune driving and is an exceptionally good driver regularly, she really excels. And a lot of vehicles and a lot of people have a lot of trouble. So a lot of people probably have never been to these dunes. When you say it's intense driving, obviously, you know, it's like a desert-like atmosphere. But like how, if you could guess, like how tall are they? How high are you going Yeah, how high? I'm just trying to figure, like put a mental picture with what you guys are doing. Oh, man. I think the best way to describe that is that they actually show up on the map and there's some peaks that are so high you can navigate off of them because they don't change um, as far as height wise goes and i don't know taylor what do you say 500 to 500 to 1000 feet I, oh wow those dunes? yeah i would say there are some in the center that are that tall um if you guys uh, your listeners will probably recognize the first the new set of star wars movies was filmed there um, I, i'm blanking on the name i think that was the rise of skywalker the force awakens that one oh, force awakens filmed okay. it at these dunes so wow, yeah, um, and the heart. So that I thought you were going to say like forty feet. Me too. I <laughs> thought it was like bumps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, and it just depends. They they're not going to. And that's the part about driving dunes. That's not. It's not just going up and over. That's part of it. But it's finding your way through them to find a drivable route. Because we're not in little sand buggies mm. and UTVs. We're in full blown vehicles. Right. And it takes a little more time to pick your way through those and find a safe route that's going to get you through there. So what other vehicles besides your GX were involved in the competition? Who are you up against? Yeah, there's a lot of really cool rigs in here. It's so fun that first day when you show up and there's all these women and all of these just amazing rigs. So you've got Toyota FJs, uh, old Toyota trucks, uh, Land Cruiser, there's a Land Rover. There was even a Rolls Royce in the uh, crossover class. Hmm. Subarus, a Ford Raptor, Nissan, um, Honda. Everybody, everybody's Taylor. involved. Yeah, I think he, he mostly got them there. Yeah. So, Land yeah. Rover, did you get them? Yeah. So when mm-hmm. it comes to the rigs, as you call them, do are all of them like stock or all of them souped up or done or had like aftermarket things added to them? Or is it, is there, are there requirements as it pertains to the car? There's a wide variety. So if you want to do, they call it the bone stock designation, which is what we did. You can take a stock rig and if it's a, they've got a four, a four by four class mm-hmm. and then a crossover class. And four by four is if you have that low range transfer case, that's considered a four by four. 
crossover, you don't have that low range transfer case. So you are allowed to take basically any vehicle that fits in that requirement. And then if you have added suspension and tires, skid plates, bumpers, you're just going to be in the general four by four class without that bone stock designation. Mm -hmm. So Taylor and I were allowed to put different tires on the GX and we put a roof rack on the top. And that was the only modification we were allowed to stay in that bone stock designation. So bone stock is literally, you bought it off the lot. Yep. Got it. Exactly. So you said that you used a lot of features from the GX in this. And it's funny because I always will tell my friends, I'm like, well, it's it's a top five luxury off-road vehicle, but I don't do a lot of <laughs> off-roading in my GX, maybe over a curb here and there. What are the features that you used and like, how did it perform? Oh, man. So I used... So this... We had a luxury edition GX, which was hilarious. It was Same. really fun to be out there. <laughs> awesome. And so we we definitely used all the creature comforts. Um, we had a couple really cold mornings that we would joke with everyone. We're like, yeah, we're going to turn on our heated seats and our hearing, heated <laughs> steering wheel and, you know, go throughout the day. Yes. But on the off-road side, we it had the airbag suspension in the back to where we could actually raise it a couple inches to get that extra clearance if we needed. Yep. So there was a day through an open OHV area that I definitely had to use that to crawl through some crazy, crazy rutted out roads. Sorry, what's OHV? Off-highway vehicle. Oh, okay. Nice. I learned something new so, today. <laughs> I, I believe I believe that's how they designate it. Yeah, an off-highway vehicle park is okay. what those are usually um, designated as. Got so it. there are areas where you can drive where there are not roads. Oh, so if you, you, you are in a lot of these areas, like a BLM area or something, they want you to stay on designated trails. Um, but when you get into open OHV, and the difference is open versus just OHV. But open OHV, like Johnson Valley, which is a... a premier location. Everybody knows it from King of Hammers, which is a huge um, competition that happens every year in the off-road industry. So places like Johnson Valley, when you get there, you can drive anywhere. It doesn't have to be on a road. So they'll put a checkpoint in the middle of, you know, top of a feature that's there, you know, a little mountain and there might be a road there or there might be just a trail that kind of looks like maybe somebody's driven up it, but it's not necessarily a road. So you can take the shortest distance if you want. You don't have to stick to roads, although in Johnson Valley, you probably want to stick to a road as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So like in the sand, what what do you have to do when you're going up a 500-foot sand dune? Like how do you navigate that? That's, yeah, that's a great question. Um, You go, you navigate that very, very slowly. And... Taylor and I were working on that because that was one thing just I've done the Morocco rally three times and we're I literally you cross the Sahara Desert and you're crossing these massive Chicago dunes so I got to have a lot of practice figuring out how to navigate through there and drive through dunes and so Taylor she's done the rebel twice so this was her third year which was awesome so we were able to kind of combine our skills and pick our way through but it's literally, you're getting out and it's distance and heading all day long. Um, especially that day we were there. There was a stand, sandstorm the day before. We couldn't really see the mountains, could we, Taylor? I'm trying to remember. No, uh-uh. Not at all. Oh my yeah, so you have no back, you have no features 
like out in the distance that right. you can kind of reference. It was just dunes. So you really have to rely on your compass and your distance. Um, although in the dunes, your distance, you can't drive a straight line. It's pretty much impossible. So she was so methodical about, okay, we're going 342 degrees over there, over that hill. That's the dune we're headed towards. And then I would take us there as closely as possible. And we were able to work with some other women that day too, which was amazing. So we all would kind of make our way there and she would be making little tips on the map as we went 360 degrees. Okay. I think we've gone probably 0.3 kilometers. We should be right here on the map. And we just did that over and over. It was, it's painstakingly slow, yeah. but it's a lot faster than getting lost. <laughs> For sure. So you just got to kind of slow and, everything down that day. <laughs> And this particular track that um, Rochelle is referencing was what they call the technical section. And it was some of the most intense driving either of us had ever done in the dunes. It was absolutely technical. And we were very fortunate to have gone into this section with a couple other uh, vehicles and experienced drivers. Um, because, man, it, having to, trying to do it alone would have been very daunting. But, yeah, it's a lot of just we would... We would go 200 meters, and then I would take a heading what distance we just, or where, where we came from, so I'd check the direction we came from so I could reference exactly where we had gone, and then I would make that note, and then I would say, okay, we're going in that general direction, pick your line, and then I would do the same thing once we stopped, I'd look back behind us, look at what direction we had gone, and mark that on my map. So, yeah, it was very methodical work and uh, very intense driving. I think my question is, how does the car drive through the sand, honestly, because I really don't get it. I mean, like, did you have to have certain settings to to make it go up the dunes with sand moving? And if it's like a sand storm or, you know, like what features of the car did you use aside from obviously your guys' knowledge of how to physically get to where you're going to get through this terrain? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, the first thing we do is air down our tires to about 16 pounds of pressure. Oh. And that actually kind of makes you float on top of the sand instead of bearing you down in it. Good to know. So right away, you want to, if you're ever doing sand driving, you want to air down your tires. Um, if you're ever stuck in the sand. Sweet spot. In the morning, the sand is going to be firmer. So it's a lot easier to drive. Whereas during the day as it heats up, it's going to get softer and it's a lot easier to get stuck. Mm. So, um, Honestly, usually when I drive dunes, I have it in four low and I'm in like fourth gear four low. But with the GX, it had so much, I guess, high end power that I actually found it easier to do it in just regular uh, four wheel drive. So I was in first, second gear all day long. And that was the only thing I did was air down tires, pop it for second gear. And it just went. Nice. it did all of it that I asked it to do. So that's nice because you guys are have so much to worry about outside of how the vehicle operates. So as long as you basically do those basic functions that you know from experience, then the car moving is the last thing that you have to worry about. Yep. And it definitely, you know, I she didn't come out totally unscathed. She had a few little uh, tweaks to the front fender. <laughs> <laughs> tweaks. But, Slight uh, modification. Yeah, it wasn't Rochelle's fault. That bush really got in the way. <laughs> right. I mean, for what that you guys were doing, just, yeah. I feel like it makes sense that it wouldn't come out looking exactly like it did when it went in. Right. 
Yeah. <laughs> but my goal was to not rip. I was like, uh, we're going to take this car through the whole rally. It will still have side steps and it will still have the bumper intact. It's all going to be in one piece when I return this car. <laughs> and we did well, a pretty good job. That was because, <laughs> sorry, that was partly because somebody on the, there's a GX, GXOR Facebook group with yeah. like over 10,000 members. And they got wind of what we were doing right before the rally started when we still had our phones. And there were a lot of people who were kind of like, oh, yeah, you're going to rip those that bumper right off and you're going to rip those side, side steps off. And we were like, uh-uh, no. we aren't. <laughs> so then it was a challenge. <laughs> We did an overlanding episode this season where we talked uh, we talked to some people that, that participated in overlanding events and they talked about the community on Facebook for the, the Lexus GX. And it's so cool that... I mean, because some people don't even know that all of, all of these things exist, like right. overlanding and all of these rallies. And it's so cool that you guys have a community to connect with for people that like the same thing. Yeah, it's really cool. And we had amazing support from that community. They were just so excited to see see us in a GX out there. It was awesome. So you said that when you go out with people, the technical course, do you guys help each other out? Or is that, for me, I'm so competitive. I'd be like, pure race, I'm out. <laughs> the rest of you can catch up. How do, what is the community like on the race? Please don't add Tyler to your yeah, team. Yeah, don't, add, um, don't add me. It's one of the best things about competing in an all-women's rally is when I describe it to people, I always say that I raced with everyone. And I've had people have to ask me, like, wait a second, who was your partner? Because you say you raced with, like, 30 different people. What are you talking about? And right. I, so I know that just the way I come out of it thinking is that we all did this together. So there's, you have your team of two, and you have all of the other teams that you're competing against. But at the end of the day, you're all just trying to get back to base camp and you're all just trying to find the next checkpoint. And it doesn't even matter if you're a top team or if you're competing for that, you know, 10th place spot, you are still out there to help each other. Um, and it's a really cool feeling that um, I feel like Emily Miller has done a lot to create um, the creator of the rally. She, she's kind of fostered that that there's competition, but that it's not at the expense of everybody else's rally. So it's a really cool feeling to do it all together. Yeah. And that, and on dune days, you're actually allowed to work together in teams. So you can drive together, you can follow each other. Whereas Mm. other days of the rally, you are not allowed to follow each other Mm. um, for obvious reasons and kind of navigate together and all that stuff. You can help each other out, but Dune Day is a totally different animal. And a lot of that is for safety reasons too. It's a lot safer to go through, at least with two cars, in case you get stuck or it's, it can get gnarly out there. So that's one of the fun things is getting to band together and navigate together and pick lines together. And if someone gets stuck, you've got, you know, four other women there digging, digging each other out and you're on way. It's a pretty cool thing. Awesome. So I think that one thing that we as a company really value from participating in these groups and the overlanding community is that we get feedback directly from the people that drive the vehicles in these scenarios on how we can make our vehicles better. So do you guys have any any thoughts on like what would you do to the GX to make it better for your race? Or do you think it was you know, a perfect fit. Stock was fine. Was stock, yeah. <laughs> oh man, I, I will. That's a tough question. That is tough. It 
did so well. Um, I think the one thing I missed with this vehicle was just having a little more clearance. So yeah. I yeah. spent a lot of time driving pickups and larger vehicles and that having that little bit of extra clearance, especially for some of the driving that we were doing during the rally mm-hmm. um, would have been great. Um, but we did, when we asked those uh, general tires, we gained about two inches of clearance, which was definitely helpful. And having that, that air suspension when we needed it in the back, um, raising that up a little bit definitely was awesome to have. So what happens next after you win this rally? Where do you go from here? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> yeah. Do you, just, do you just wait for a little bit and you're like, all right, family time, or you're like, no, we got to go out and win the next one? I've had a mix of all those feelings right now because you are like you're on this high with all of these women for eight days. You have the awards ceremony and then you get home and everybody's excited. And then there's definitely just this kind of let down. You're like, okay, I'm a mom running a business. Did that. That was really cool. And you are like, especially for me, I'm always looking, well, what's next? Um, the cool thing with winning this rally is we get our next year's entry so we can go back next year. Uh, Lexus wants to do it again. We're all about it. (laughs) So the Rebel only comes once a year. It's in October. Uh, They've announced dates already for 2020. It'll be their fifth year. And I think they're going to plan some pretty cool stuff. Nice. But Mm -hmm. there are some other cool uh, rallies and races around the world. Uh, This is, there's a Sonora rally. I believe that's in, when is that? February, March, Taylor? April? I'm actually going to send you that. April, maybe? Check this one out. <laughs> All right. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. There's a lot of cool events that happen around the world that we're definitely keeping on our radar. And we are definitely back to the Rebel next year for sure. Awesome. That's that's great to hear that you guys are keeping keeping the community going. Because I think, um, and you, you mentioned earlier, so I want to make sure that we can um, plug it for everybody that you guys took some footage that that people would be able to watch on Expedition Overland. So how can people watch that if they want to? Yeah, great question. That's on YouTube right Mm -hmm. now. We've just started releasing our new season and episode, it will be coming out in episode eight. Okay, so Expedition Overland on YouTube. Yes, ma'am. Got it. Awesome. I'm watching. I'm doing it. <laughs> and I'm going to take my, my GX. Awesome. We'll get you. When are you going to get out there? Oh my Sounds gosh. like you're competitive. You need to go out there. I am so competitive. It's about silly things, but, um, and I love to drive. <laughs> I am embarking on a 12 hour drive in the GX with a mother in law, two kids, and two dogs uh, starting tomorrow. <laughs> so that that's harder be- than anything we did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And the mother in law, I think, is the toss up there. So if um, if people are interested in getting involved in this community, I know that you guys mentioned that there's some classes that you've taken to prepare yourself for these races. How do they, what's the best way for them to get involved? Yeah, there's, if you go right to rebelrally.com, their website has a lot of information. There's also a lot of Rebel Rally Facebook groups on Facebook. And it's a great community of women. Usually at the overlanding events, you've got Overland Expo West, Northwest Overland Rally. There will be Rebel Rally classes going on during Mm -hmm. those events. I will probably be teaching one at some point with Taylor. And um, Taylor, what else? Am I missing anything? Yeah, I would say following the overlanding groups uh, always helps. Um, I'm 
I run a, a community of women that overlands uh, internationally as well as in the States. So women overlanding the world. Um, we have some resources as well for people that are more interested in the general overlanding information, um, but as well for the Rebel Rally stuff. Um, and yeah, I would say uh, the Rebel is really great about doing uh, trainings. They actually require for first-year people that you have done one of their driving trainings and one of their navigation trainings. And they usually combine those into one weekend event so you don't have to take two weekends out of your your, your year of prepping. Um, nice. So they'll host those, um, and generally they'll do them where, you know, like in the Glamis sand dunes, so you have a chance to do some dune driving and some navigating, and they'll bring some really skilled people in to teach those classes and uh, give some information. So those are a really valuable way to, uh, to learn some skills, even if you haven't registered yet. Awesome. Perfect. All right. Well, Rochelle and Taylor, thank you so much for joining Toyota and Told, and congratulations on your win. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. All right, everybody. And as we've said in other podcasts, modifying your vehicle with non-genuine Lexus parts can negatively affect your warranty, safety performance, and street legality. Other trademarks and trade names appearing on these vehicles are those of their respective owners. Kelsey, I don't know about you and your forerunner, but I'm ready to get my GX out off-roading. Um, my forerunner stays on the Dallas North Tollway only, <laughs> but it sounds fun. Um, if you guys want to see what their trek was really like, you can watch Expedition Overland on YouTube. The Rebel Rally is featured in Season 4, Episode 8 called Dreams Made Real, and you'll find a link to that episode in our show notes. You can also follow all of Rochelle's driving on Instagram at, at Rochelle, R-A-C-H-E-L-L-E underscore Croft, C-R-O-F-T. And you can follow Taylor on Instagram at Taylor.Pauly. That's T-A-Y-L-O-R period P-A-W-L-E-Y. If you enjoy the podcast, please give us your feedback, hit subscribe, give us five stars on Apple Podcasts and email us your comments at podcast at Toyota.com. And again... If you would like to talk to Tyler directly on social media, make sure you tag at Toyota on Twitter and Facebook and at Toyota USA on Instagram. We will talk to you guys soon. I'll be listening. Bye.